Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. This is Chris. My guest today is Casper Tikier with Zapper. Welcome, Casper. How are you doing today? Very good, very good. Yeah, excited to, uh, to be with you. Fantastic. We're, we're glad that you're here. So, Casper, tell us a bit about your background. Okay, well, um, me personally, I, I, well, I, I was at Edinburgh University where I studied social anthropology. Um, and that actually, funny enough, took me into a, a career in advertising. I wrote my dissertation at university um, on uh, the, sort of the advertising and the use of space in agencies, uh, which seems like a very strange topic for social anthropology, but it was certainly a way to get a foot in the door uh, into sort of my first career path, really. Um, and so I was an account man at Abbott Mead Vickers, BBDO, for a number of years um, before helping start um, a, a London agency, as many people in the ad industry do. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and did that for about seven years. Uh, before moving beyond advertising into the world of PR. I went over to a, a firm called Freud. I was a CFO there for a time before getting into the, the, the world of digital uh, and indeed started another company called uh, VMe, you know, Make Me Virtual, um, which was really focused on the whole area of virtual worlds um, and specifically uh, PlayStation Home on the PlayStation 3 console and how that brought brands and games publishers um, and the, uh, the, the, the PS3 platform together um, and the intersection between brands and digital. Uh, 
and from that actually came uh, the opportunity uh, to to work and create Zappa uh, along with three other uh, colleagues. Uh, so yeah, Very that's good. the part. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Zapper and maybe let's talk more specifically about the different types of virtual reality. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think you know one of the things uh, that you hear a lot about today is obviously people talking about AR and VR and indeed MR um, and a whole slew of other, uh, uh, I guess, acronyms and phrases uh, that exist around computer vision generally um, and, and, and augmented reality. So be that AR kit or AR core or um, panoramas and 3D gyros and all, all sorts of different sort of jargon. Um, and I think what's interesting is we're, we're still at a time where, you know, you go to conferences and events and, and read about um, these different things, um, and, and AR and VR are still very much lumped together, um, which surprised me because they're actually, you know, although they obviously share an R, um, they're very different. Uh, augmented reality is is, is uh, uh, really doing something very different to um, virtual reality. Um, uh, you know, uh, in many ways, and I think there's a, a great author called Charlie Fink, who I think described this very well, you know, he talks about VR being sort of a man's quest for immersion, um, you know, you're actually being transplanted somewhere else, whereas AR is really kind of a, a new tool, it's a new sort of uh, lens on the real world um, over which you can uh, layer digital inputs and receive information. So they're both, um, uh, they both serve very different sort of um, need states and different benefits, and it's not to say one is better than the other, um, but I think as a, as, a, as a brand or a marketer or an end user, um, you know, you experience them uh, in very, very different contexts. So it's interesting to me that they're, they're still very much joined to the hip, you know, that recently came back from um, South by Southwest, you know, they talk about the AR, VR track. Um, and it seems to me that there's, there needs to be a fork in the road now where there is an AR track, a VR track, because <laughs> they're very different. Nice. Yeah, I, I think my first exposure was to, um, well, definitely to, to VR, and that immersion can be um, can be very unique, especially when you step outside of it. So the the augmented reality part, um, I remember seeing uh, a piece in a museum that had an augmented reality uh, description of it, and you could hover over over yeah. over ancient text and it translated it and it's that's just a completely different experience from the immersion that's it that's it and i think you know there's 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 a sort of fascinating kind of movement with within augmented reality um certainly that we've seen over the last seven years as zappa um which is you know uh, it's definitely something that is moving more into the to the mass market and and a lot of people have wrote, written about the fact that you know pokemon go and uh, the announcement from Apple in terms of what they're doing from a platform perspective and the work of, of, of Snap with um, sort of face filters uh, and indeed sort of Shazam bringing uh, visual search has, has made the, the, the use of AR become uh, more mainstream. But it's, it's certainly, you know, uh, also moving from these surprise and delight moments, which will continue, but also to becoming um, more of a, a utility uh, to inform and instruct. And, and I think that's you know, a really important movement um, to stop it from being this gimmick and, and, and a way of just ticking the innovation box or being the last thing that you do as part of the marketing campaign to actually just being um, a new way of thinking about um, a camera and the camera lens and how you can use it to overlay information. 
um, that sort of means that it will slowly be something that um, becomes more ubiquitous and something we use uh, on a daily basis through a plethora of different apps. I don't necessarily think that you know we'll describe it, or certainly people won't describe it as augmented reality. It'll just be this camera function, phone feature that happens to be you know uh, a, a, a utility and, and a facilitating technology to make something um, more efficient or effective. Now, what are what are some utility uh, areas that we have not seen quite yet, or that are that are coming soon? Well, I think it's you know I think. It, it, there are a number that have probably seen um, sporadically, but not something that's been committed to sort of over time. So, you know, the use of it for instructional information from, from packaging or, you know, the whole area of connecting packaging is actually fascinating, I think, from a, uh, an AR standpoint, because uh, really it's a reimagining of, of how we uh, uh, can uh, receive information from pack uh, and have a dialogue with end users at different points in their uh, uh, their usage of that particular product. Um, and that's about attaching contextually relevant information to it, not only at, say, point of purchase, um, but also point of consumption. Um, so that might be when I buy something, uh, giving me more information about um, provenance or authenticity or ingredients. Um, it might mean that uh, I might get some sort of uh, coupon or sort of promotional offer um, or reward points for having sort of scanned that thing at a certain point of time. Um, or indeed, once I've taken that product home, let's say it's something in the, in the kitchen, it might then serve up different recipes or give suggestions of other products that would go with it or maybe tell me, you know, at the point where I need to restock that item that there's a simple way to push through in order to, to, to purchase that thing um, or best before date or help with recycling or whatever that might be. So I think this notion of um, actually you know, these billions and billions of packs that are out there being almost born digital and have this having this always on um, potential when scanned with a device is really really fascinating um, and it's something that is you know helpful to kind of everyone in that in that value sort of exchange. It's really helpful to um, uh, uh, sort of brands and product owners because it means they can both track and trace those um, products through their life cycle, but they can serve more relevant content to it you know, to um, better serve their end users. And from, I guess, a user standpoint, it means that I can learn more about that product and, and make sure I can get more out of it depending on who I am and how I use it. So I think that's a really interesting sort of use case. There's lots of other stuff that, that exists really around sort of learning and development and training and education generally with augmented reality, um, which sort of empirically seems to be something that um, has a huge benefit because, I guess, at a cognitive level, it's something where it's active learning through doing, and it, it's helping us really understand um, sometimes difficult um, uh, to understand um, uh, ideas in a sort of spatial way uh, that we're interacting. So I think there's lots of you know opportunity with how we use this sort of new dimension between uh, physical worlds and digital devices. Uh, very interesting. I I see. Um, I think I've seen recently someone. It's in an advertisement someone putting together a piece of industrial equipment um, with the idea of augmented reality, instructing them how to do that. And uh, that's cool. Or, or I imagine maybe on from a child's perspective, rather than pulling out those instructions for, for uh, the box of Legos, that, yeah. that they're assembling it uh, via augmented reality. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and to, and to your example of the sort of the, the museum tour or, or, or sort of experiencing events and, you know, alongside the audio guide are ways to also, um, you know, surface uh, different information. I mean, I think the whole idea of kind of infographics in a, 
in a, a sort of a spatial computing world is, is fascinating and sort of takes us away from the the shackles of, of PowerPoint <laughs> and allows us to really kind of visualize data and, and, and introduce new information in sort of interactive, layered, sort of contextually relevant ways, um, which is really exciting. So speaking of those those shackles, um, it's not quite the same, but we're right now you, you talked about using our devices and, um, you know, maybe potentially some sort of other interface. What kind of interface do you see beyond our cell phones or beyond other um, ways of viewing this augmented reality right now, or what developments maybe are happening in that that realm? Well, I think that, you know, I guess there's a, a general feeling that there will be this progression from mobile device through to some form of headset, eyewear, you know, sometime way in the future sort of lens. Um, I think what's hard to determine is exactly what that time frame is. Because um, there are, you know, there are, there are clearly... A number of um, sort of uh, hardware and software uh, challenges to get that into a form factor that's right uh, for general consumption. You know, outside of the uh, home and a, uh, I guess a, uh, a single-use experience. Um, uh, and then there are also considerations just from the, I guess, the social side of you know, well, how do people feel about you know um, someone wearing those, those glasses? Has happened um, displays an extent even with a snap spectacles. Um, when someone's holding a device up, <clears throat> you're very aware of that. You're very conscious that, let's say, a photo or a film is being taken. That's in an always-on heads-up display, you know, in some eyewear. That makes you feel slightly diff- different in that social um, situation. So there's a bit of social acceptability that's going to be interesting. But I think it's more, you know, how do we get that to a form factor that means that um, it has the right battery life, it has the right field of viewing, that, uh, uh, that get the right opacity in terms of the the way um, things are appearing on screen, um, you know, that the network can handle it and everything works as you want it to. So uh, there, there are clearly, you know, many different things that are coming together. Um, but I think that's an inevitability. Clearly, these are things that are being worked on by um, very large organizations, lots of money. Um, uh, and there are some huge strides being taken. Um, but, but I think it's, you know, it's just going to take time. Um, and, and with all these things, uh, you're know, seeing some really good incremental steps. Um, but, but I think for the time being, you know, it is about thinking about it uh, within a, uh, a, a mobile setting. And I, I don't think we should feel too constrained by that. Clearly, there's a, there, it's great when we can be sort of hands-free and um, interact with these things in a different way. Um, but, but thinking about the sort of the frame of a phone and the, I guess the canvas of the world beyond it for, um, for AR is still um, hugely exciting. I guess we always try and think about the present rather than the future um, in that there's so much that the technology can do now that is absolutely untapped. And of course, these things are going to come through. Um, but there's still much to learn about actually how to build experiences in AR and, and you know, what are the right verticals and, uh, 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 for the technology and where is it the right solution and where are the new opportunities. And all these things can be worked out um, at this stage, um, you know, uh, as we build this next generation of developers and designers and storytellers in this new space. Um, and sure, you know, uh, it, it, the form factor will change, um, uh, but I don't think we should wait for that. What are your um, what's your design experience or, or philosophy with um, building these experiences? What are what are some essentials that you look for making happen? Mm, that's really interesting. Um, well, I think the most important thing to to always think about is um, 
is the context. I mean, we talk a lot about, um, you know, when we get asked, you know, what makes for successful AR campaigns, we talk about this, this notion of the three C's for success. Um, having the right context, having the right call to action, of course, having the right content. And that context piece is as much about clearly understanding, you know, the, uh, your audience um, uh, and their relationship with the thing that they're looking at. Um, but then really importantly, it's thinking about, you know, what is that moment in time? You know, where are they? Where are they in relation to the thing that they're pointing their phone at? Um, what's happening with the environment in that moment? Um, the light, acoustics, uh, and the distance from them. Um, have they got a hand-free, if it's a, you know, a, a mobile occasion? Is there decent Wi-Fi network connectivity? Are they likely to, um, you know, uh, in that experience, move from portrait to landscape with it? You know, what's going to be the best way to hold their device and, um, and interact with the UI and UX on screen? So that whole thing about actually putting yourself in that sort of person's shoes in that moment is really, really important um, when you're playing with this sort of, I guess, this fourth space, <laughs> you know, um, or space between the, uh, the physical and the digital. Um, and that means, you know, um, constructing that narrative um, in a different way. And, and we tend to look at these things as, as short-form, bite-sized experiences. You know, these tend to be experiences that are only a, you know, maybe a couple of minutes in length um, um, at most. And that's also because when you point your phone at something using AR, it's amazing how long that period of time um, feels, even if it's only in seconds. Because it's still something not uncomfortable, but something, you know, if you're pointing your phone at something, you, you are making a statement to the people around you who are likely to crowd around because of that fear of missing out. So all that stuff to kind of think about. Um, and then beyond that, there's obviously still a step while we're educating people about this with, with a sort of call to action of thinking about well, what's actually being written on that physical thing that is going to alert people to the fact that it's AR enabled and make them want to go through the steps of, of downloading a native app and, um, uh, or opening it up and then pointing it at this thing. So that sort of descriptor, you know, that classic sort of marketing 101 of what is the thing you're saying to make me want to uh, uh, get involved becomes very, very important. Um, and finally, obviously, the content. The content has to be in some way um, deliver something um, where the value proposition meets those steps that someone's had to go through. Um, and so if it is just linking to an existing YouTube clip or, you know, some other content that could have been more easily got at from existing channels, well, then you probably haven't made the most of the um, <laughs> of the opportunity or, or, or delivered the right value proposition. So I think there are these important things to consider, um, but it's amazing how many of them aren't actually about, you know, the technology. It is thinking about the moment and thinking about how you're, you know, telling that story. Very good. Yeah. So what are some projects that um, that you're involved with right now, some current projects with Zapper? Oh dear, where to start? Um, <clears throat> uh, I guess we're, I mean we're, we we work on so many different projects. Some I guess that we and some we can't. So maybe the best thing is more general. Uh, and and I think that's kind of interesting actually because um, I think what's been fascinating about our journey over the last seven years is that when we first started out, we we did actually um, because we were self-funded. Um, it was important to us that any projects we did you know, seven years ago um, were sort of captured value not only for our partners but for us as a business. Um, and actually trying to, I guess, sell AR seven years ago uh, was quite a different proposition to now because really absolutely no one knew about it. Um, uh, uh, and, it and it certainly was that education job. So, so what we did was go quite horizontal and quite, I guess, shallow in terms of going, well, what are the sectors and the areas where AR could play a role? Um, and so we looked at um, uh, sort of we went into entertainment and 
into toys and games and uh, into retail and events and education, and all these different sort of sectors, just to understand you know, what role, I guess, this facilitating technology could play at different parts of um, the value chain, either from a, a, a marketing perspective or an internal comms or training and learning, whatever it might be. Um, and I guess increasingly over time, we've begun to see where some of that stuff um, really does have an impact. And, you know, empirically, we can see, see, see works. Um, uh, and so latterly, we're doing, you know, we are increasingly doing a lot of work around um, retail um, and product packaging, as, as we've talked about. Um, and I think retail is, in a, is a fascinating environment, um, not only in the way that we talked about reimagining um, product packaging, but when you think about um, uh, the sort of bricks and mortar real estate of a store, um, and how um, that can be used as a uh, uh, as a place to think about these loyalty programs and reward schemes and sort of other value add propositions for uh, consumers, um, then there's a different way of thinking about AR in that context uh, and, and what that means both when people are shopping in the environment, but when they take that home and uh, and indeed what makes them repurchase. There's some interesting sort of use cases for AR in that in, in that arena. Um, we're certainly also beginning to do um, quite a bit of work in um, sort of uh, sports marketing and, and uh, the whole area of, of events and experiential, um, not surprisingly, um, and that begins to bring in both augmented reality and mixed reality. Um, and I think the, the interesting thing about both those is, is you tend to have quite a um, receptive audience, especially when you're thinking about something and extent to entertainment where you have a fan base um, that already are predisposed to wanting to consume content related to the thing that they like. So um, AR is a, is a nice way to be able to bring some um, more of that magic um, to the experience. Whereas in the sort of events and experiential um, environment, um, actually it, it, it sort of can become quite a utility, which is, you know, how do you sometimes bring um, into a, a, a location or a show environment um, uh, sort of either a product or machinery or, um, uh, or, or, a, or a story uh, to life in a way uh, that can be done uh, in a cost-effective way that is interactive and a, an easy way to sort of sell things in. So sort of exploring lots of different workplaces um, with, with the use of the technology. Um, uh, you know, so I guess we're, we're, we're always across you know, numerous different products and projects at the same time. Okay. So what are some, you mentioned being at South by Southwest, and that was last week. What are some exciting things that you saw in, in your field? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's interesting. I, I guess South by has, um, you know, uh, looked at and, and, and followed the trajectory of, of, of augmented reality, indeed, sort of machine learning and AI and all these different terms for, for, for some for some time. Um, uh, and and I think what was different about this year, uh, and, and maybe it was just the dates that I was there, um, but um, whereas before I think the brands had, had come in and, and done some really big um, set pieces um, uh, around VR and AR, that seems to be less pre prevalent this year. Um, uh, and I don't think that's because they're sort of any uh, less interested in it, but I think it probably shows that it's, it is becoming uh, uh, less of a, um, uh, a kind of cutting-edge innovation and more of a mainstream thing that's going on. I think most, maybe the most interesting one for me was um, Ray Kurzweil was uh, doing a keynote there, uh, an absolutely fascinating chat. Uh, but when asked an audience question about, you know, so, um, you know, what are the things actually over the time horizon of the next three years that you think, you know, from a technology perspective are going to break through? 
you know, um, because obviously he's such a futurist, he's 10, 20, 30 years out. Um, uh, it was interesting that, that, that he obviously mentioned uh, AR as being, you know, a, a kind of a next phase of computing and sort of a, a breakout thing that's been around for a while but will kind of uh, increasingly hit the mainstream. Um, so I thought I think that's interesting. I think you know the, the context of, of augmented reality I think has now gone up a level um, in uh, both brand owners' um, minds and, and you know increasingly into into the mainstream. And that allows for a very different type of conversation now. Um, and I think that's what's fascinating. What we're seeing is that um, you know large and small organisations um, are surfacing um, uh, AR at a at a more senior level. And that's kind of important because um, it tends to be that it's a technology that doesn't necessarily have a home within it, within any single department. It is something that you know really can have a positive effect you know, cross-functionally, um, and that can be hard sometimes organisationally to to then figure out who you know who the uh, uh, the budget holder is or, or you know who is the project lead to, to drive that change organisation. So to see it now being um, uh, seen as, as, as kind of uh, less as a new thing and more as a, a technology that uh, brands and businesses should really get behind and think about um, more in their sort of omni-channel approach to things. Um, I think it was a shift that was interesting um, uh, uh, this year over, over, over others. Yeah, that's uh, definitely an interesting direction to to change, especially when it seems like when we become so immersed in um, whatever technology it is, like for for example, the, the introduction of the smartphone, it seemed, you know, like a, a specific segment of society at first, and now everybody has them. And so seeing the augmented reality factor kind of go in that direction and be, I guess, uh, more integrated and uh, a little bit more seamless or perhaps even behind the scenes, that's, a, that's an incredible step forward. Well, you're right. And I think that's, you know, I mean, it's, it is still crazy. You know, you kind of go, the iPhone really did come, only come out 10 years ago. Gosh, I mean, the, the, the level of development over those past 10 years is just staggering. Um, uh, and I think when, you know, back to that point about you know, people getting very excited about the point at which, you know, we're all wearing um, sort of headsets, sort of eyewear and eyeglasses for all this stuff. And, and that is truly exciting. But we've got billions of handsets um, now uh, uh, across the world. Um, and we're really only scratching the surface of what those devices are capable of. Um, uh, and now with the inclusion of, 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 of AR as a new lens um, really opens up so many opportunities and those are those are today opportunities um, and I think that's what's just hugely exciting um, and, and, and it's increasingly being grasped. Very good. So Casper, I have, um, before I ask my last question, I want to know uh, where users and viewers and audience can get in touch with you and find out more about you and Zapper. Sure, yeah. Well, and, and well, and I think that maybe the thing that we didn't touch on is that, you know, one of the things that's really important to us at Zapper is this notion of democratization. You know, part of our whole mission was, you know, how do we put the tools in the hands of as many people as possible to really explore what AR is capable of? And in order to do that, we built this, this platform called Zapworks, which is our sort of content and authoring platform, uh, which is specifically made to create um, really... Um, uh, engaging and interactive short-form experiences um, and a platform 
that really caters for people of uh, of all backgrounds and all technical ability. Um, so so we, we work with kids in STEM, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, all the way up to you know um, uh, really quite gifted designers and developers making very complex experiences. Um, but I would really encourage anyone um, who, who who who's interested in AR. Um, and wants to try it for themselves or within their organisation, then, then really Zapworks, um, Zap.Works, um, uh, is, is the is the site to go and try out um, first and foremost. Uh, and, and from there, then either that's a conversation with us if people are interested in, in working with us on projects. But you know, I think I think what's really exciting now is the ability for for for, for brands and businesses and um, you know young developers and coders and mum and pop shops, whoever it might be, um, to be able to leverage this technology themselves um, uh, through harnessing these tools. Awesome. So, um, final question, and it's been. First of all, it's been great chatting with you today, and this is uh, an exciting field. Um, I can't wait to see what future developments there are. So with augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality, what are some major impacts that you see this having in the near-term future? Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. Um, that's a big question, isn't it? Um, well, maybe the way I'd answer that is, you know, what are the ones that kind of um, – you know, I, I think it, it's where in in uh, sort of the mass market it becomes uh, an everyday either utility um, or a way of of furthering learning. Um, so I think we're really excited um, about the area of of education um, and sort of learning and development in general, um, and, and how AR can play a role in that. Um, and then I think you know we, we've we've talked about the whole kind of um, reimagining of of connected packaging, and I, and I think the reason that's so big is that actually it's sort of an absolute revolution when you think of it. Um, but so one of the ways I describe it is um, you tend to think of media in uh, in three ways about sort of owned, paid, and earned media. And owned media tends to have been thought of you know in the context of a brand's website um, or its social channels. But clearly, it's owned media as well. Is the, the uh, all the products um, that carry its brand name and all that packaging that exists out there, which to date has been passive. Uh, you know, it's, it's print material. Uh, but with augmented reality, we can actually turn these things into these always-on digital channels, um, and that's huge. It's, a, it's an entire sort of new kind of uh, media industry. It's, it's it's putting power back not only into the hands of brand owners, but um, uh, having that direct dialogue with consumers to, to, to uh, react and learn more to, to their needs on an individual basis. So I think, I think that is just a massive um, step change that is, is about to happen. Um, uh, and similarly, I think you know, for, for in that vocational learning space for, for, for this next generation of, of uh, designers and, and coders and developers and creatives, to have this new canvas to play with in augmented reality and mixed reality um, yeah, is just an extraordinary jumping off point in the same way that, I guess, you know, with the mobile phone when, when the whole sort of app marketplace came about and a huge um, explosion and sense of disruption. Um, and, and I think with the tools that are out there, like Zapworks, there's, you know, we're going to see a, a, another explosion in terms of uh, you know, storytelling and narrative in this new uh, sort of spatial computing space. Casper, thank you again for your thoughts and for joining us today. Not at all. Thank you. Casper Tikier with Zapper.
and we'll see you next time here on the Future Tech Podcast. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.